What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Sales and Marketing Bill Freedom Podcast. Really excited today. I got Christina Jaramillo, trying to not butcher the pronunciation of her name. She's going to shed some light on some pretty cool things they're leveraging to take down ABM, or I should say leverage ABM for LinkedIn across multi-channels. She's the president of Personal ABM. So really excited to get her insights on how to take down some of these big accounts and really leverage ABM to get the big whales. That's ABM for account-based marketing, by the way. All right. Talk to you soon. What's up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley, and you are listening to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast, where we share with you the underground ninja skills and tactics that the top sales and marketing leaders are using to create financial and lifestyle freedom. And the question that everybody is asking is, how do I create financial and lifestyle freedom for me? That is the question, and this show is the answer. Welcome everybody to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast. I have a very special guest on today, Christina Jaramillo. Did I did I do well? Awesome. That was really good. Okay. She is the president of Personal ABM. She helps sales and marketing teams win, protect, and expand whale accounts so that they can provide the greatest revenue growth, but they're stuck because they don't see the personal re- relevance or reason to change now. By focusing on the personal impacts to human buyers, Christina and her team created $2 million wins with accounts that were previously unresponsive for five plus years. I love that. I think it's awesome. Christina is a featured expert on LinkedIn's Sophisticated Marketers Guide. She's an ABM instructor for marketing profs. And her articles can be found on Forbes, Marketing Profs, Sales Hacker, and many others. And now she is my guest. What is up, lady? How are we doing today? I heard a little, little kid yelling in the background as well. I know. I was trying. She's been quiet all day. I'm doing really well. Doing really well. Juggling having kids at home when they're not supposed to be. But, you know, we all are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It makes it uh, exciting. Keeps it keeps it fresh, right? She's, That's one way to put it, right? <laughs> she's rolling her eyes right now as I'm kind of talking through here. So so give us a little bit more background. I know I gave a, a quick intro about you and a little bit about your company, but We'd really love to hear just kind of how you got to this point. I know you shared with me some of the insights, which I think is pretty cool stories. So you just share with the listeners how you got to where you're at today and, um, you know, what you're excited and light it up about right now. Sure. Um, well, personal ABM has been around for over a dozen years in one form or another. Um, last five plus years, we've been focusing really on refining our approach on LinkedIn, particularly with the challenge incorporation of the challenger sale, we're big proponents of it. We didn't realize that we were actually kind of taking a challenger sale approach prior to reading the book. And it gave us some more insights on how we could make the approach kind of stronger and more, more productive. And LinkedIn happens to be our platform of choice, but the strategies that we take for our clients are rolled out into email conversations, live conversations, um, social conversation. So it, it runs the gamut. We just happen to use LinkedIn as the platform to be a springboard because it's such a great way to get access to people and learn more about people uh, prior to engaging with them mm-hmm. than ever before. Then we've been had, you know, re- we haven't had that kind of access to people and knowledge about people. So we're, we're capitalizing on that. Yeah. I, and I, I love that because the, the barriers to, to, access or have dropped massively. And that's not just like, you know, from seller to like 
basically the person, the buyer, but it's also like buyer to buyer, seller to seller. So there's a lot of really cool things that are going on from there. So let me ask you this, like, what would you say is, is kind of your ninja skill when it comes to account-based marketing? And, and basically why don't you do this, just give a quick understanding of your definition of account-based marketing before we get into that, because a lot of people have different definitions of what that means and, and talk about that real quick. Okay. So account-based marketing to me is the exact opposite of what most people think it is. Um, your definition, right? Yeah. 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 So I've seen account-based marketing kind of turn into account-based awareness, account-based campaigns, and it's kind of focusing on the mass audience and mass messaging versus what we like to do. That's hence personal ABM is take a one-on-one as opposed to one-on-many or one-to-few approach. The one-on-one is where you can give that personal relevance to the company, the Um, department, the actual individual buyer and create that interaction, that one-on-one interaction where you get to know what makes them tick, what makes that buyer, you know, what makes them buy, what are they passionate about? What are they interested in about? What's going to help them do their job better? What's keeping them up at night, but more importantly, what should be keeping them up at night? What haven't they thought about? And Mm -hmm. I think ABM should be that more targeted, focused, laser-focused type of approach as opposed to that broad-based, what we've seen, um, you know, with with tech, marketing tech and sales tech, making it easier to scale it, I think it's kind of diluted the effect of what account-based marketing could and should be. So basically, are, are you seeing a lot of folks that are scaling spam as opposed to scaling the correct way to market? Yeah, I mean, I, I understand the need for it on the sales end and on the marketing end, you do need to scale, but there's, I think, different sectors that are different parts you need to worry about. And I think when you scale like that uh, or, you know, mass produce messaging, it kind of misses a great deal of opportunities. And I think the opportunities that you miss are the ones that are going to be the biggest revenue generators and the longest customers and have the most profitable relationship with you because they do need that personal touch. They do need that one-on-one personal relevance in order to move forward and to, to know that you care about their end goal. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like where you're going with this. So how do you scale that then? How do you scale personal interaction or one-on-one interaction? Like what's your approach to that? First of all, um, what we do is we typically, when when someone says they're doing an account-based approach, we've seen people work with maybe anywhere from a couple of hundred to 500 accounts. And we mm-hmm. only work with the opposite end of that, maybe two to three dozen accounts. So we have to make sure that we have a proof of concept with those kind two, three dozen accounts, and then we can roll it out the same kind of strategy to other accounts. But we need to take that personal one-on-one approach for those top accounts in order to know what's working and what's not working and what's important to all the buyers within that those accounts. That way we can scale it out. And you can do a campaign approach with that same kind of strategy, but it needs to be refined first in order to scale it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so like, like, for example, you know, like, or actually just, just walk me through, like, how would you kind of approach that? Let's say the solutions span across IT operations and supply chain, you know, how would you strategically look at it? And then how would you tactically implement kind of what you're talking about? So you have to figure out what's important to that company as a whole, and then to each department, and then take it down to a macro level to each individual within that department. So if you're targeting IT, you're going to want to message and nurture and engage with the CTO or the CIO much differently than the director of IT, because they're all going to have group KPIs, but they're all going to have individual KPIs. I believe it's something you talked about on your podcast with, with me earlier, 
that you have to find what's important, those one or two KPIs or maybe even more that each person is is um, responsible for and what what's really important to them and address them individually. So any interaction that you have with them is only addressing those KPIs and addressing that value in order to move them forward. And then, you know, that's almost like a little mini strategy within a strategy, if that makes sense, because there would be one approach for the tech side. There would be a, one approach if you were addressing also operations, because they're not going to have, there will be some overlapping, but most likely they will have more individual important things that that make them tick. Yeah. And and I didn't, I didn't hit on this, but, and I want to give you a question after this, but one of the things we would do is we would understand like, and, and rate on a scale of one through three, okay, who is the primary budget holder before and after the solution was implemented? Because sometimes it changes, which affects the decision-making dynamics. So then you prioritize the departments, but then also look at, you know, understanding that horizontal like hierarchy, both KPI wise, and, and then, you know, what they really truly cared about emotionally, but then horizontally as well. And I think that's probably easier to do as a sales person than marketing, because you could point blank specifically ask people, Hey, what are your, what are your most important things that, that you care about? How are you evaluated and surface those? However, like on the marketing side, do you leverage resources or what kind of research do you do to truly understand that without physically talking to the person? Actually, it's funny that you say that because typically we do work with sales directly. We are marketing for sales, which I think sounds weird because I feel like all marketing should be for sales. But um, so whatever the selling conversation that the sales team wants to have, that's how we create content. We create messaging, we create strategies for that because it's not necessarily the same value that marketing might be might be talking about. The sales team's going to know firsthand what their buyers and what their customers want and value. And it's not always the same as what marketing talks about. So that's why we work specifically with the sales team. Okay. So you, you do like basically a discovery around what they're using in their meetings, like yes. what they're using in their decks, what, what questions they're asking. And then you just align that and, and basically create content to support that. Is that correct? Right? Yeah. And also what they see are common threads across different customers, whether, you know, it doesn't have to be just certain industries or certain size customers, but if there's common themes that they're seeing that their solution is filling or mm-hmm. gaps that they are filling, then that's something that we definitely need to address because that's something that's going to be important to other buyers as well. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so what would you see is like the most, I guess, walk me through an example, right? Where you've done that and what's resonated at the deepest level at a, at a customer perspective, like how does it all kind of come together? How do you orchestrate it both strategically and then tactically across the different channels? Yeah. So one example is one of my favorites is that we created, we had a client who was a 3PL, so a third-party logistics provider that was at risk of losing their largest customer. And they happened to be, this 3PL happened to be regional. So they didn't have as much reach as, you know, national competitors they were going up against. And they knew, you know, from internal conversations that they were at risk of losing this huge client that happened to be um, a CPG. So a consumer packaged good company that if I named it, you would be like, oh, that's a big client. So they were at risk of losing it. And they knew that they were shopping around. They were going to RFPs at different competitors. And so what they did is they focused on 
the value that they had achieved, areas for growth, and then where the gaps would be if they did move or where the problems and challenges would occur if they did move to another provider. And they wrote a case study specifically for this client. And when they showed and shared the case study with the client, the client said, I felt like you were talking to me or you're writing about us. And they were, but they didn't call them out by name. They didn't call them out by anything that would super identify them because obviously they didn't realize that 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 case study was for them. And it changed the conversation. It changed everything from the email conversations, the social interactions to the decision-maker conversations, because they initially only had relationships at the director and operations level with the people that were using their solution on a daily basis, but they really needed to get the engagement to protect and expand that account with the decision-makers that were going to you know, hold the purse strings. So the VP, so they needed to make their um, case study, not just say, you know, we achieved X, Y, and Z benefits and we fixed, you know, these challenges, end of story. No, they gave the tangible results. They gave actual monetary savings. They saw um, shared areas for expansion and areas for growth that would save or, you know, make their business do better. So it wasn't just the typical problem solution type of case study. And, and I love that. So what do you think, like what, if you could break it down to one to three things, grab the attention of that decision maker so much um, to get them from being completely unengaged to engage? Like, was it the tangible metrics, you know, or what, what was that, 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 that got them to kind of open their eyes and listen? I think it was a tangible metrics, but I think it was also more the fact that we pointed out the problem or the potential problems that could be if switching. So there's always going to be that pain of switching and there's always going to be, you know, we had pointed out exactly because we, the competitor, we knew what they were going to offer and why it would be such a problem, even though they had a larger footprint and it wasn't just a cost-based conversation. It was more tangible than that. It was, how did it affect their revenue? How did it affect operations, their customers, their employees? So we addressed all that in the case study. And I think it, just created that buying vision and that bigger picture that they can see as opposed to maybe just putting a Band-Aid on a, a, a solution. It was a bigger, just that bigger picture. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's awesome that you guys did that. Very, very smart that you, 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 you put the cost to change, right? You put that, you labeled that, you put that on it and you illustrated it, I'm sure, across every single department. Like you're basically like, you have 50 people that have to relearn this new software that they say is simple, but it's going to take two weeks of training and this equals this many hours. Did you do something like that? I don't think we got that that minute to it, but I think it was a matter of um, just showing where, what had it been achieved in certain terms of savings, in terms of people's uh, time and and adoption. And I think it was just a matter of showing the, the whole picture of what was going to happen when they did go over. Yeah. That's good. I think like, so I'd be curious on your take on this is like, I think, and I've been, I've been starting to do this now because yeah, you know, as being a business owner, I'm, I'm evaluating what tech to implement for my own solution and solutions for my customers. And, and really, you know, kind of three characters characteristics I look at is what's obviously the return on investment, what's the cost versus the outcome. Right. But then the two other ones that I'm looking at that they kind of remind me of what you're talking about is return on time. You know, how much time am I going to have to spend, even if it's going to give me the best result in the world? And then at the same time, what's the return on emotion, right? So what kind of emotional outcome 
do I have by doing the thing that I need to implement this or doing it on an ongoing basis? Because if it's something that personally I think sucks that I'm going to have to do on a day in and day out basis, like that's not cool. And I'm not gonna, like, I like I've been down the path where I've implemented stuff. I'm like, this really sucks. I'm like, I don't want to have to keep doing this, you know? Um, so I think you did some really, really great things there. <laughs> um, but what would you say? So let's talk about like how you leverage LinkedIn and your multi-channel approach. So frame it up for me. Um, walk me through an example where you use different touch points, cadences, calls, like how do you make that a reality and, and what were kind of the components and give me an example of like how you did that. Yeah, typically we, since, you know, LinkedIn, as I said, our focus, we start with a, just an invite to connect and it's not that generic, you know, we have similar connections or we went to the same college. It's actually a value based connection. So it, you know, to get, to get a value in 300 characters is not easy, but you have to share value the entire time that you're connecting with someone, whether that's on LinkedIn or in an email. So in order to open that conversation up, we share that value up front um, in that invite to connect. I don't want to sell you. I don't want to pitch you. I'm just wanting to share insights with you because I saw this is happening in your organization or this is happening within your department, or I've seen that, you know, this is happening with other organizations that are similar to yours. Um, and, and it's always based on value. And then once someone connects and the next message isn't going to get me to a demo or get me on a sales call, it's going to, again, lead with value, whether that's a case study or an article, looking up, looking at a particular event that, you know, I attended that I thought was interesting. It's always sharing value every step of the way. So every interaction that I make with a prospect, either for our clients or for ourselves, is going to be like a mini sales conversation. Whether they're engaging with you or not, you're having a little sales conversation in their head. You're kind of trying to give them insight and change their mind along the way, maybe share with them they have something they haven't thought of before, um, you know, and make sure that every conversation or interaction you have with them is tailored for relevance to them. And you're teaching for differentiation, which is a bunch of things that are, or two things that are talked about in the challenger sale. So we kind of adapt that approach to LinkedIn and then on social, as, or excuse me, email, as well as in um, live conversations, whether that's virtual or in person, you know, depending on the market. So do you do it mostly over DM then over direct messaging? Yeah. Um, direct messaging, email, sometimes interacting on conversations that I see if I'm, you know, looking at a particular co company and I see that they're talking about a particular issue that's important that I can tie my solution back to or my customer solution back to. I do that. Engaging on um, in groups where they're active or even more importantly, engaging conversations where they're active. So if they posted something and it's, I can make it relevant and uh, not just say great post. I can actually add some value to the conversation. I do that as well. Um, and then the ultimate goal is to take it to other means of, of communication, whether that's email or, um, you know, one-to-one. -one. And so like, um, like when you say, so you, you include value on the connection request is what you're saying. Give me an example. So would that be you're saying like an article, a link, something that you think would like help them. Is it from a business perspective, I assume, usually that you're looking at it? Yeah. And, and it could just be an insight because sometimes you're not allowed to share. I don't believe you're not allowed to share actual links within the invite to connect. But it has to be like, I want to share insights about X, Y, and Z. And this is why I think it's important. It can't just be like connect because I want to sell you something or connect because I feel like you can save money on this. It has to be something that's like every message is personal. So if, 
you looked at the last 50 messages that I've sent, every single one's different. It's tailored to the person. Okay. So it's not like a template. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. I can see that. Um, so then, and then like, what's your average, what's the average amount of touches before you start to break through and you have people that want to meet or um, respond, you know, like what's, which do you track like reply rates and all that stuff? I guess kind of what are some metrics? Yeah, we're, we're basically focused on the interaction. So are they engaging with them? Are they um, re- responding at all? Are they clicking on the links that maybe we send them? Are they attending events we inform them about? Um, so it's, there's, a, there's touch points over different multiple avenues. So it's not just on LinkedIn. It would be email. It would be events that we're holding or, or having. And then articles that we're sharing either on our own websites or other third-party content um, or even other, um, other content that maybe we didn't actually create that supports our insights or, you know, our solutions and benefits that we were talking about. Okay. That's cool. I like that. So like, is, are there any tools you use to manage that? Cause it sounds like a lot to manage. It is a lot to manage. Um, we just use a CRM. Right now we're using Pipedrive, but we've played with a bunch of other CRMs. Um, so it, it's it's typically just that. And then it, depending what our clients use, some clients use different um, uh, different systems that we have to use as well. Like um, I can't think of the last one that we used. This is eluding me, but whatever the client is using as well, but our particular one is a CRM. Okay, excellent. So... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my like fast fire three questions because we're, we're getting close on time here. So I always look at to, to talk with my guests around like how different ways where you could scale revenue. So I got three questions around. Okay. So taking this approach, how would you use this to gain more customers? What would, what would be the best way to leverage this to gain more customers or acquire more customers? Show up on LinkedIn. Don't just click and like and things. Actually show share value, share insights, and reach out to people. Don't wait for them to come to you. You know, don't make it about connecting with anyone, everyone. You have to know your ICP and nail it and make it relevant at every interaction. I think that's that's the best way to do it. Okay. And then how how are people leveraging this to increase the amount that every customer spends with them? To increase the average like customer value, I guess you could say. You know what? They're using it to to build consensus internally, um, to make sure that they're driving um, conversations with every decision maker, whether that's just being sharing information or actually engaging with them, but just um, making sure that everyone's involved that that needs to be. Okay. Um, and then last but not least, like increase the frequency that that folks buy from the customers? Is there anything that they're doing to leverage that to speed up the sales cycle length and increase the frequency? Increase sales cycle length. Say they're already in a cycle, right? You yeah. got them, they're already in a cycle. Is there a way to speed it up? Well, I would I would just make sure that everything that you're sharing is relevant to them. You're not sharing them, showing them anything that's doesn't speak to them particularly individually. And I think if you don't have something, whether that's an article or a case study or a piece of content that's relevant to them, create it and create it quickly. Good. I love it. All right. Where can people find you? How can they learn more about you, about personally, personal ABM? Where can they find you? Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Give me a reason to connect. Just don't say, uh, I heard, heard you talk. Just get, <laughs> heard you on XYZ podcast. Christina Jaramillo or Jaramillo. 
Um, and also check out personallybm.com and stopthesalesdrop.com is a good one because we do a lot of educational events, podcasts, um, weekly reboot series that we do with B2B sales and marketing leaders and CROs at a bunch of different organizations like uh, G2, Vanilla Soft, and uh, uh, many others. So check that out as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on today. It was great hearing your insights. I think there's a ton of value with what you're talking about. And it's it's an art. I don't want to say it's a lost art because it's still out there, but a lot of people <laughs> forget by and the effort just to, to do quantity over quality. So thank you. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources, so I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I wanna ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.